Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Today's episode is sponsored by Clock, the Corporate Legal Operations Consortium, the go-to organization for information about legal operations and connections to the best legal operations professionals in the business. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today's guest earned a JD and an MBA, employing both as a marketing and business development consultant for lawyers. She recently accepted a position at Harvard Law School Executive Education and will work with both the executive education team and Harvard Law School professors to create programs designed to turn lawyers into leaders. She'll continue to work on select consulting assignments under her name, Anusha Gillespie. Welcome to Left Foot. Thank you, Nicole. It's wonderful to be here. Great to have you here. Anusha, which of your personal strengths or habits have allowed you to be successful in developing business and helping others develop business? Nicole, I think for me personally, I've taken a number of different personality tests over the years. And one thing that really stuck out to me that was provided as my best strength as compared to other people uh, was an openness to criticism. And I didn't really understand how that was a strength in the first place. I've seen that develop over the years and and what that really means. It translates into a tendency for me to not take things too personally, which allows me to really put myself out there and view business development opportunities as a learning experience. And so that's been really important for me and kind of getting myself out there and developing business. And then for habits, I think going to morning meetings is really important for me. And I find them a lot more productive than evening events when everyone kind of just wants to go home. So that's been a great, great habit for me. We've definitely heard get out there, do the coffees, do breakfast. The first point I can tell you out of all the interviews we've done, that's the first time I've heard that. So being open to feedback as a real way to be successful, I think that's a fantastic message. So thank you for sharing that. And you don't have to take all the feedback. It really can be helpful in correcting and adjusting. So it's a great lead in to our next question. What business development growth strategy have you employed in your own business that you likely would recommend to others specifically? specifically lawyers, when they're looking to grow their business? What growth strategy do you recommend? And this does tie into that personal strength because I take a holistic approach. I really steer clear from what I call box checking business development, box checking BD, which is kind of the old way of doing things where you have your list of contacts and you have a reminder in your calendar to reach out to them. And it's really pulling teeth and it's really not fun for a lot of people. It feels more like a chore and everyone has enough work to do already. There doesn't need to be this chore added on. And so instead, I encourage people to move into a growth strategy that views business development as personal and professional development. So if openness to criticism, that piece of my personality for other people, it might not be putting themselves out there so much, but working through the personal piece to uh, eliminate some fear and develop some more confidence to get themselves out there and, and view business development and growth as a creative outlet and way to grow professionally outside of their subject matter discipline. I really appreciate that point. What does that look like? For an example, I spoke to a client the other day who was clearly suffering from imposter syndrome and was very nervous to speak publicly, which I was surprised to hear because I've actually seen her speak 
publicly and I had no idea that she was nervous. And, you know, that's often the case. I was actually very impressed by her and learned a lot about her practice. So she told me that she had turned down a great opportunity to speak at a large conference in a couple months because she just hated public speaking so much and was talking to me about, okay, well, I want to develop more business. What, what should my marketing strategy be? What kind of networking events should I go to? And we started talking about it. And then I realized that she was so focused on the small stuff of, you know, maybe this breakfast or that when she had this kind of golden ticket conference opportunity in front of her. And she just needed to work on the personal piece in kind of getting over that imposter syndrome and developing the confidence. I had seen her speak. So I, I knew that it was there. It wasn't like she had this overwhelming fear that I wouldn't ever ask someone to just rip off the band-aid in two months and really encouraged her to focus on that personal piece that would allow her to have this growth strategy of going to the conference and using that as a vehicle for business development as opposed to focusing on the small stuff. Great example. You had her focus on that. Did you suggest she think about it in a different way, approach it in a different way, possibly do some more preparation than she normally would do? What was the next step in your advice to her? I don't provide speaking coaching, but I provide referrals to speaking coach and suggested to really spend the money and develop that part of herself because I saw it as a way for her to really elevate her presence quickly. But I actually gave her a couple of referrals. I gave her a speaking coach, which is, you know, mainstream. I also gave her a referral to a hypnotist in Boston, which I know sounds way out there, but he specializes in helping people overcome the fear of public speaking by working on it at the subconscious level. I haven't worked with him, but I've heard great things about him. And so just included that in there as well. Um, she can take it or leave it. There you go. You have had the opportunity to work with lawyers on business development, on how they market themselves. What tactical best practices do you recommend? Is there a set of a few that you say, these are core to really improving the way that you're presenting yourself and looking to secure clients? The concept that I start with, with attorneys especially, is that they tend to attack business development at the very end end of the process that I go through with my clients. And I'll, I'll explain that. So I go through a four-phase process with clients, the last of which is bringing their brand out into the market, going to events and socializing their message. And that's what that's where attorneys tend to start. They get an email, there's this event tonight, would you like to attend? And they haven't done anything for their business development that week. So they just say, okay, like then I can check that box. And then I've gone without really thinking about whether it will be effective for them. So instead of that I ask attorneys to kind of move back and develop a real strategy in their branding that then they can use to make better decisions as to whether they should go that event, whether whether it will be effective for them, whether they should take that speaking opportunity. And the four phases that I go through with them, the first is going through a reflection piece. So kind of that introspective work that feels pretty unsatisfying because you don't know where it's going to go. So figuring out what your strengths are, what you're not so good at, your values, what's driving your practice, what's driving your business development, all of those pieces that require a lot lot of emotional intelligence and introspection and reflection and then moving into a research phase. So, you know, this is what I'm good at. This is what my, my practice is. Who are my potential clients? Who are my clients? Who do I want to be my clients? And how does that align with what my strengths are and what sets me apart in the market? Because there needs to be that alignment piece in order to be effective. And then moving from the research phase into a strategy phase of so the third phase of the process. All right, great. I know what my value add is. I know how that speaks to this certain market. How do I now 
create a strategy that will get my message to this market. What's the best way for that? And that goes back to what your strengths are. If you're not good at public speaking, maybe you write for an established journal, you know, figuring out what the best thing for you personally, but also for your market, what's going to get their attention. And then finally arriving out in the market as the last stage of the process and kind of implementing that, that brand strategy. So while that's not a tactical logistical best practice, that's kind of the phase that I ask people to go through before they even kind of get to the logistics. Once they're out there, I really emphasize to play it cool because that's the, the, the biggest brand turnoff is when you see someone that's just a little too eager. Absolutely understand that. And now a word from our sponsor. Clock, the Corporate Legal Operations Consortium, is a nonprofit organization of legal operations professionals providing education, the sharing of best practices, networking, and community. Clock is driving positive change across the corporate legal services ecosystem. Go to clock.org, that's C-L-O-C.org, for information on the benefits of membership and the upcoming annual Corporate Legal Operations Institute. How about a success story? Where have you you know, seen this approach used and, and have recommended that approach and then saw some success or where a client came back to you and said, wow, I had no idea that was so easy to use. I was able to secure business with a particular client I've wanted. How about a success story? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, and so actually going through that process, um, that's perfect. So I can go through the the process I just detailed and kind of bring it home through a success story case study. So I worked with a fourth year associate at Fragman Worldwide. They're an immigration firm. And we went through this process together and had really incredible results. So she's an immigration. And so in the first reflection piece of it, we thought, what's she good at? Why is she doing what she's doing? And what's her unique offering? And there were all these pieces that didn't make so much sense at the time. You know, she really valued health and wellness. You know, she's always at the gym. She, um, um, constantly talked about her aunt, um, Razia, who was amazing and created some of the first schools for girls in certain villages in Afghanistan. And it was actually picked up by a PBS documentary and aired last fall. And she just found her aunt really inspiring. And it's part of the reason that she went into immigration law, health and wellness, the inspiration from her aunt and immigration, and then also the excitement of creating something new and startups. And so that was the reflection phase. And then we researched her market and a great client for immigration attorneys are late stage startups who all of a sudden get around of funding and need to hire rapidly. And especially with engineers, a lot of them have some immigration paperwork. And so that's a great niche for immigration attorneys. So we researched that, found kind of an aligned niche. The startup piece works with some of her values as well as her practice. And so then we said, okay, great. How do we get in front of these people, especially with startups? It's a very fragmented industry. So how do you get their attention? And that's where that health and wellness piece came in, as well as researching the market. Startup employees love perks, right? And we created this event and this particular associate loves creating events too. So that that was uh, helpful. But we created this event, Vino and Vinyasa, and we had it on a roof deck in Boston. So we limited it to women just for professional reasons. People had their yoga mats out on this roof deck. We had wine and we came
catered the invite list. It was half attorneys for referrals. So not other immigration attorneys, but as a referral base, and then also half startup women. And we had about 100 RSVPs within 24, 48 hours and just generated this really great buzz around it. So we arrived out in the market with this great event. And then the associate also brought her aunt who had inspired her so much to the event. And when she you know, gave her remarks, we're Fragman, we're the ones sponsoring this event, please know who we are. She actually highlighted her aunt and, and the reasons for her practice and the fact that Fragman was 40 something percent women and how much that meant to her. And it was a women's event and really tied everything together in a story and a way that really landed with people. And the partners were blown away by the event. It's now going to be an annual event. And just last night, went back to Fragman and did a branding seminar for their women's group that went really well. So that's an example of how, how this works in practice and can be successful. First off, I love the idea of yoga and wine. <laughs> we'll start there. <laughs> so sounds like a great event. And, and it really sounds like it resonated. Was there business that came out of it since the event happened? Has business occurred? Was it more of a branding and network expanding event? And the assumption is business will come from that. The assumption is business will come from that. I believe they got referrals, so not direct business from the people who were there, but referrals from the people who were there. And now creating this annual event more for awareness than having business come directly from the people who are there. But I know that they've also created offshoots of the event with people who were there just to continue that awareness and that collaboration. I always think about that as the deposit, depositing some brand knowledge, you're creating relationships, and sometimes it takes time. Most often, things like that come back, and sometimes in surprising ways. That said, how about your event last night? What did that look like? A branding event for women in a law firm. I'm assuming you had one or one or two, maybe more pointers they could implement pretty much immediately? So it was with the women's group at Fragman, which seems like more and more firms are starting these women's groups and having them you know, every month kind of event, which is wonderful. And so I went through this process with them and we talked about practical things like LinkedIn and do I need to have 500 connections or does that look bad if I don't and those types of things. Some of the personal things too of we mentioned earlier imposter syndrome or some gender dynamics of men versus women and asking for business or even internally promoting oneself. Men seem to be better at that than women. Women tend to feel like they need to have all of the information before they give an answer or aren't as comfortable speaking off the cuff, it seems. At least this is this is kind of the conversation that was generated last night. And so it, it's interesting how branding and business development can lead to all of these other pieces of personal growth or gender dynamics. It can really be a much more robust conversation than just reach out to your contacts. It's interesting. That whole idea that very often it's how we think about something, how we execute. It's really more the psychology behind it. That idea of wanting to take control of your career the desire is that enough to get people to do things that are outside their comfort zone? Because a lot of this is, even for men, a lot of this is out of their comfort zone. I think women, as women, we tend to say, I'm a little less confident about it. Not all women, but many. Great work. I have a passion for it myself. We have a lot of women that come on left foot because I want other women to hear about their success and about how they've approached this part of their business life. Let's turn our attention to the market. It, the legal market has changed. There's new players 
players, there's disruptors. The economy has gotten our in-house legal team members and their legal procurement teams and their legal operations team. They're all looking at other things today than they did 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, pricing wasn't as much of the conversation, but today pricing, project management, coming in with some kind of understanding of outcomes, that has all come to the forefront. How are you seeing the market change and what are you hearing from the lawyers that you're working with about these changing market conditions? I actually went to a data security event at a law firm yesterday and one of the tech guys who was speaking, he put up a comic that said cybersecurity and it was a gentleman at the kids table and there was a board of directors that went over to the cybersecurity guy and said, you know, I think it's time for you to have a seat at the big boys table. I felt like that was so relevant for legal marketing as well. Marketing's kind of been at the kids table for a while and now we're finally getting a seat at, at the big kids table as the legal profession really realizes the the benefit of it, especially for smaller firms where developing business can be such a source of stress. If you get really good at it, you can really remove that stress and, and create your practice on your terms. And I think that the profession is finally starting to adopt that. And along with that, starting to be more open-minded as to what that looks like. And kind of on two fronts, I often talk about lawyers develop business based on technical competencies. It's all just kind of this list of their accreditations and it's not very three-dimensional. I don't know if you remember Flat Stanley, but I always think of Flat Stanley. We're finally allowed to become more three-dimensional in a way that creates an engagement from clients. You know, lawyers aren't marketing to other lawyers necessarily. They should be marketing to their clients. So in that respect, I think that the market's changing. And, and lastly, I, I went to the LMA conference in Boston last fall and Deborah Nupp from Growth Play was talking and I was really surprised actually. She put up a coaching framework. We do have. It's something that even a few years ago, I, I feel like would have been laughed out of the room. The concept behind it is that many people think that they have to just have action and do, 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 do before they can have the result. They think action leads to having whatever that goal is without kind of taking that step back and saying, who am I being while I do these things? Again, that practice of psychology and, and confidence that really plays into marketing that I think people are more open to and that's being really talked about. Great points and great positioning. Really, what is the future of the legal profession? These law firms are becoming enterprises, legal enterprises. There's all kinds of people inside firms now. There's marketing people, there's pricing people, there's project managers, very robust technology groups within those law firms. And we're seeing the gentleman who heads DLA Piper spoke about this at Legal Week. He was one of the main conference panel speakers, and he said, we are an enterprise at this point. A lot of change, and we are definitely seeing marketing go over to the big boys and girls table. So let's talk about innovations in your work, thinking about your work at Harvard Law School. Innovation and the use of technology in the practice of law is definitely entering the conversation. What have you seen, even specifically on the business development side, that you would consider innovative? Collaboration which doesn't seem particularly innovative, but it's happening so much more and people are being creative to the point of innovation. For example, I was hired by Dauphin Phelps and they're not a law firm. They do valuation and financial services, but their clients are law firms. So I was hired to do a speaking engagement for a networking event, kick it off with business development best practices, inviting their clients. The marketing that went out was associate networking night. This woman, Nusha Gillespie, she works specifically with lawyers 
this event is for you. I just thought that was innovative in its approach of we're going to collaborate here. Like this is something that we're all trying to do better. Financial services, some firms move ahead and have adopted business best practices, whereas the legal profession is a little more behind. Not all. So I think that collaborating among professions and creating events that events and resources and content that really helps everyone move forward is what I see happening in a, in a really great way. I know we've talked about your approach to helping lawyers brand who they are, what their specialty is, what their business is. What would be your advice to that lawyer that's just starting their business development responsibilities, looking to either as an associate, start learning before they become a partner or as a new partner, attack their business development responsibilities? What would be your advice to them? For the new associate, I would tell them to curate their brand and not worry about it being heavily focused on their practice area. I think a lot of new attorneys feel really shy about business development because they say, what do I know? I'm just starting to learn. Even if I get this client, I can't service them. I have to pass them off to someone else. And that's not I don't think the right way to think about it. I think it's just developing relationships and and finding something about your professional life that excites you and double down on that. So go through and clean up and create a blank slate on your social media, your web presence, and then find something that means a lot to you. Just start to build that up. For example, for me, that's women in the law. It doesn't have to be your practice area. It can just be something tangentially related or even not just something that's uniquely you and start writing about it, start talking about it, just start building up that brand on your social media. Even if you don't see how it connects to your practice area now, eventually you'll see the benefit. It will, it will all start to tie together. And also remember that you can help people in ways other than your service. So I have a mentor now and we began a relationship because she reached out to me on LinkedIn and said that she saw that I had gone to Tulane. Her daughter was going to Tulane. Would I provide some advice? And this wasn't completely random. She's from the Boston area and we're in the same field. But instead of just quickly responding, I spent a good 45 minutes and came up with a list of 10 things. If I was starting again at Tulane, what would I want to know? And sent it to her and, and she was so appreciative. And she said that she sent it to all the other moms. And from that, I developed a really excellent mentor who actually has helped me get to where I am today. It doesn't always have to be your practice area. Great advice. And, and I have to say, it's very interesting. I'm often surprised at where you know, people that have an impact in your life, in your career come from. I mean, I've had similar situations where I was sitting in an event and someone was introduced to me that I had even actually seen or met before, but I didn't realize what they had done. And they were just introduced to me in a different way that made me take notice and, and start a conversation and think that idea of being open and aware and then taking the time investing in getting to know that person if they tend to be someone you're interested in spending more time and really helping them out kind of that give and take it's a great point to make what do you enjoy most about the work that you do and if you would talk about both your current work and your aspirations for your next role at harvard law school executive education so for my current work watching the light bulb go off for other people when they realize that business development can be a place to play and experiment, especially for lawyers where everything in their practice has to be perfection. They can't make a mistake. So it can be scary when you move into developing business and putting yourself out there because it's a lot of trial and error. It's just not what they're used to. And, and once they kind of get more comfortable with that and realize that it can be this place to kind of just grow and have fun, it's really empowering for people. And also 
that they can start asking for things they want in their careers. So what I really love is when people come around to that and, and start embracing it and find that empowerment. And then in my role at Harvard Law School Executive Education, I'm so excited personally to have the mentorship and training of the people and the, the team that I'm working with. The bigger picture, they're mission is to positively influence the legal profession and by developing lawyers into leaders. And and that's the whole point, that intersection of professional and personal growth so that we can all move forward and create a more collaborative, supportive, influential profession. And that's what's so exciting to me about this position. Very exciting. And I had the opportunity to interview and you and I talked about it in our pre-interview chat, Dr. Heidi Gardner, who just wrote a book on professional service firm collaboration and law firm collaboration is definitely a part of that book. Some really amazing findings. That was episode 49 on Left Foot. And it's quite a great listen. So hopefully our listeners, if they haven't listened, will go back and and listen to that episode. There's some really pretty surprising points that she found in her research. Informative interview. So appreciate you sharing your story and talking about your work with our listeners on Left Foot. Any last points you'd like to make before we say goodbye? Just to encourage people to push past that that fear factor and really show more of themselves and develop that three-dimensional image. And sometimes in the legal profession, internally, there's some sterility and people are uh, hesitant to combine their personal and professional lives. At least with clients, you can develop that story and be that full person. And that's what's so exciting about it. So I just encourage people to really embrace that. Great last point. Anusha, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Left Foot. Thank you, Nicole, for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot. Thank you.